Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Live Life Aggressive Podcast. Mike Mahler, Sincere Hogan. Yeah, we have, a, we have a super cool guest coming on today, Dr. Carlin Kolker. And what, what I like about Dr. Kolker is he's a super knowledgeable guy, but he's not remotely pretentious or condescending. He's not a jerk-off like a lot of people we meet in our industry where they have a certain amount of knowledge, so they feel that it's okay to be arrogant with that. Right. He's actually a very accessible guy. He's a very cool guy, very down-to-earth guy. He runs the Peak Wellness Center in Greenwich, uh, Connecticut. Mm-hmm. He also has a facility in Beverly Hills, California as well. Boy, am I am I glad I looked up how to pronounce Greenwich because I was oh. about to say I was about to say he runs a facility in Greenwich. Oh no, you don't want, you don't want to be that guy. My, it takes it takes a wrestling it takes a wrestling fan like me to know all the McMahons are in Greenwich. So it's like if you watch WWE, you know it's called Greenwich. Yeah. That Greenwich place is great. It's, it's like people have never lived in Oregon before. They always say Oregon. Oregon. Like, oh, Oregon. Or, Sp- or Spokane, Washington. And, uh, Dr. Colker is no, is well known as Shaquille O'Neal's personal physician and trainer. That's kind of funny for both you and I to hear sincere because how we ran into Shaquille when you were out here. Yeah, exactly. We're like, who's that big black security guy? It's like, oh, that's Shaquille O'Neal. <laughs> With security guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. He's like, he looks like he's the security for his entourage. And, no, that's security. and then Dr. Kolker was on a reality TV show with Shaq actually called The Big Challenge back in yeah. 2007, which was a really cool show. It was a really good show, yeah. Yeah, it was. Drop the ball on it, ABC. You dropped the ball. Yeah, that was a mistake. <laughs> they actually made a good reality TV show helping people get healthier and fit. And then, of course, it, it just dropped. But he's also written several really informative books. Extreme Muscle Enhancement, Bodybuilding's Most Powerful Techniques. That was back in 2005. Great read. The Greenwich Diet back in 2000. Another great read. And again, very accessible to people that are not real well-versed with science and so forth behind all of this. But he also includes that for people who want to learn more about that kind of stuff. Right. Then also, interestingly enough, Sex Pills, another book from I didn't even I wasn't even aware of this till I looked it up recently. <laughs> on, I was like, oh, we'll have to talk about that one. Sex Sorry, pills. Let's talk about that book. <laughs> to zinc. This is back in 1999. But you can find out more about him at peakwellness.com. In addition to being just a wealth of knowledge, he's formulated supplements. He's written tons of articles, lectures all over the world. And he's a guy who's walked the walk. You know, he's he's competed in powerlifting, bodybuilding. He's done some boxing. Big MMA fan. So yeah. he's he's not one of those guys just giving advice to people when it's not coming from a place of actually. Gen, it's not genuine. He's actually when he works out with Shaq, he's putting him through workouts that he could do. So it's so it's it's just great to talk to someone like him. And also when early in my career, back in 2002, when I was just getting things going. You know, one of the things I've talked about in the show many times is how powerful interviews are as a great way to network with high quality people. And Dr. Kolker is one of those people. He was one of the guys that was very accessible very early in my career when I didn't have Jack going on. I don't think I even had a website when I contacted him to do an interview. And he was very gracious about giving me a lot of time for the interview, gave me some great advice. And it, it was just very welcoming because it made me feel good about getting into this business because I was networking with so many knowledgeable people, but just great people like him and Frank Shamrock and and so many, Tudor Bamba, so many of the great interviews I did early in my career. So it's nice to come full circle and bring Dr. Kolker back so that we can all benefit from what he's all about. Doctor, so great to have you on the show. <laughs> you know, I, I'll tell you, uh, as far as – not being a jerk off, I appreciate that. But you know, I guess it always depends who you ask. No, <laughs> Not a jerk off to me so, anyway. You know? <laughs> I guess it really depends. But you know, look, I, I I can only say this. I mean, I love the work that that you guys do. I love the podcasts. I'm such a big fan. I think you get so much good informative information out there, and uh, 
it just helps so many people. And, you know, your reputation, both of you, you know, your reputations precede you, of course, you know, I've, I've known Mike a lot longer than I've known sincere and, you know, Mike and I were in the trenches together. And I remember when he was, he was coming up and, uh, you know, I still say to this day, you know, you know, there is no, uh, no other, no, there's no other source for, for kettlebell training and, and just building overall ruggedness, uh, you know, to your body. Um, you know, if, if you haven't experienced, uh, you know, a Mike Mahler seminar, it's just, it's mind blowing. It's, and it's something that you've just got to, it's, it's sort of one of those, uh, bucket list things, guys, if you're out there and you haven't done it and, and ladies too, cause he'll, he'll work with women too. It's just amazing what he can do in terms of transforming, you know, the body. And, uh, of course, sincere, you know, he's, he's phenomenal. I mean, you know, if you want your ass kicked the right way, man, you know, I'm going to tell you right now, you get my stamp of the Coker stamp of approval. That's the guy to call, you know? So I, uh, I'm in really good company and, you know, I love these guys and, uh, you know, it's just a, it's just a pleasure and an honor to be on board. And, you know, Mike, I know you said some stuff about early on in the career and helping you out, but, you know, I, I guess I look at it like I'm just a squirrel trying to get a nut. And I was glad to help you out back then. And you've grown to such a big success. And, you know, it, it's just I'm just on the shoulders of the ones that came before me. And you guys are on the shoulders of us. And I guess that's just how it works. And that's just the evolution. And it's just an, it was an honor and a privilege to be with you back then. And it's an honor and privilege to be with you today. Well, thanks awesome. a lot. Yeah, that, that's really nice for you to say all of that. It's 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 real. Always great to talk to you because you're a very positive person too, and that's what a lot of people get. Is and anyone who saw you on on Shaq's Big Challenge mm -hmm. saw that where you were tough, but you weren't a jerk to people. Exactly. And I think I think that's what a lot of people don't realize is that tough love is something that is very much needed in our society right now because people are being coddled way too much, and that's not useful for getting them yeah. anywhere. It's not, it's not right. going to improve any facet of their life. It's not going to make your personal life better. It's not going to make your fitness life better. It's not going to make your professional life better because a lot of times you just need a, a brutal dose of reality and then have the impetus to make positive change after that. So I think, I think that's what all of us really have in common is that we're all trying to get I, that message out there in our own ways. I, I think so. And I think that, you know, uh, uh, people like to talk about Shaq because, of course, I was with him for those championships, and he's been generous enough to credit me with so much of uh, helping him uh, helping him get there. But, you know, it, it, it wasn't easy. And, you know, I, I remember after the fourth championship, you know, when he handed me his shoes and he just said to me, you know what, Doc, I, I'm hearing your voice in my sleep. I hear your voice on the court. <laughs> I hear your voice when I'm in bed with my wife. Like, no offense, but you know what? I, I need a break from you. And I said, you know what, man, I need a break from you too, man. Because we had about an hour and a half of training in the morning, about an hour and a half of treatment during the day, and about two hours of training later in the day. And Mike, I don't need to tell you, and sincere, I don't need to tell you, man. That's a lot of that's a lot of exposure to me. It's overexposure, you know. <laughs> so, but you know, look, I, I mean. Everybody knows me for Shaq, but they also don't don't realize I was with Andre Agassi for 12 years. I, I've been in Quentin Rampage Jackson's camp probably longer than anybody. Wow. Um, I, I cornered Frank Shamrock all those years, and then I was with him for a decade. And you know, uh, of course, my involvement in MMA and all of those guys. I'm actually still with still with Quentin to this day. You know, um, he, he's getting getting ready to fight King Mo, and that's that's going to be an interesting uh, oh, man. fight. That's going to be a camp. really out no doubt I can't they can't stand each other man that's going to be really interesting yeah there, there's there's definitely no love lost there uh, <laughs> but you know i mean look I, i've got 
I don't know, 30 or 40 world champions and, and 11 different sports that I've worked with and nine Olympic gold medalists. And, you know, there are just so many athletes. And, and I guess just like what Mike was saying, you know, uh, it, it is tough love, but, you know, each one's a little different. Each one's wired a little differently. And I think, uh, the way I work with each one of them individually is, uh, it, it is unique and, and, and some are motivated by, you know, certain things and others that's not going to work. But in the end, yeah, it is, it is, a, it is a form of tough love one way or another, because it's a dose of reality, you know, and, uh, I think on Shaq's big challenge, I think that's what the kids needed. The kids, as you were saying, you know, they were being coddled too much. They were being, uh, you know, spoiled. And, and some of these were lower socioeconomic uh, families. So it's hard, hard to, you know, process the idea of how do you spoil a child that when you don't have a lot of resources? Um, well, actually, it can happen. And, you know, when you feel bad, you feed them and you feed them bad foods and things right. like that. And, and then you tell them it's OK. And, you know, uh, and it's not OK. Right. So uh, it is a form of tough love. And that definitely, um, you know, that definitely uh, came through the whole show. And uh, and it was sort of, you know, internally consistent with the way that I am. I think that's where people develop an unhealthy relationship with food. At least one of the many ways is that people like to use it as a way to express love or caring for someone right. else. Right. You give them a meal and all that. And, and, it's, it's, and it's a nice gesture. But if it's a really unhealthy meal and you're doing it often, then it's going to have some bad repercussions. And then and then on the other end, it's it people feel impolite if they don't engage in those meals. So if someone bakes a pie and they bring it over. You, you know, you don't want to be that guy who's rude and just throws it away. And you don't have to be. You could have one slice. But then a lot of people have issues where if they have one slice, they're going to have the whole thing. And then this whole vicious cycle starts from the whole thing. But I think that's a that's a tough one right there in the sense that. Ha- because a lot of people feel guilty for what they're not giving others, they start pushing a lot of food in their direction. I'm talking about parents now with kids, and then that just creates a vicious cycle. Now you have these unhealthy kids that are loaded down with sugars and artificial foods. They have no energy, so they can't go out and play and train, so they're stuck playing video games and watching TV, and now they have even less energy after all of that. So, I mean, how, how do you break a vicious cycle like that, Dr. Kolker? What are, what are some of the strategies you think that are effective? Well, I can tell you that the, the, when I first got down there, you know, I have to admit being absolutely naive yeah. because I was sort of part of this, you know, inadvertently part of this uh, legion of preachers, nutritional preachers and healthy eating preachers mm-hmm. that didn't really uh, have a finger on the pulse of what some of the uh, mid mid to lower socioeconomic uh, um class was going through. And I I know that sounds kind of hoity-toity, but I'm just being honest, you know, (laughs) you know, I mean, you know, when you think about it, if, you know, if we say, well, why couldn't you just have a piece of fresh fruit? Well, listen, asshole, a pear costs a dollar 50 and we can't afford it. You know what I mean? And it's like, it's like, oh, geez, I'm sorry. I, I didn't realize that. Yeah, well, I can get a 20 pack of the Doritos snack size and I can get a large bottle of soda you know, for, for $3, you know, and, 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 and I started to realize this as I had Joy Bauer down and, and she's amazing. She's a great old friend of mine and a great nutritionist. And when she came down there, we actually went into the schools and we went into the homes and we opened up the cabinets and we looked at all this stuff and we talked to the parents and they said, look, do you think I really, I, I, I would love to make some 
fresh eggs in the morning and some steel cut oats and all that stuff that you say I should have in the morning for my child. But you know what? I don't have the money for that. Okay. You know what I have the money for? A can of soda and a bag of Doritos. And you know what? I don't want them to go to school starving out of their minds. So I got to give them something. And that's what I'm doing. And once, once we realized that, I mean, I'm not kidding. I was like on the verge of tears. I couldn't believe. And I, and I felt almost embarrassed that I had been, you know, sort of uh, preaching what, what is ostensibly nonsense to people, you know, right. it's, it really is nonsense. And so what we had to do is sort of, you know, you know, really roll up our sleeves on that and try to find, you know, solutions because there are solutions, but it does take a little bit more of a stretch to uh, get these folks to realize that there are some things that you can do to it. Maybe not completely go that whole Whole Foods and Trader Joe's and organic and all that other stuff, but you know what? They can make some adjustments, albeit small, you know, they can make some adjustments and they can do some things. And that was what we were trying to do. So although we couldn't rewrite the whole menu for them, if we could fix a couple of portions of it, then, you know, we felt like we were starting to win the game. And it, by the end of the show, we did have some success with that, p- coupled with, of course, the exercise. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, and one of the things I see a lot, it, it becomes a thing, just a difference of culture, the difference of culture. There are so many things that so many people are not aware of. And I see it a lot in the fitness industry. You see a lot of nutritionists, they'll come off like, well, everyone should be eating this and eating that. But I'm like, dude, there are some people, they can't. They just can't. Yeah. You know, and yeah. they'll, no, they just won't. I'm like, that's very pretentious of you to say something like that because you have no freaking idea what these people go through or at the same time it may not necessarily be an economical thing it can also be a a matter of time whereas these parents are working seven days a week 60 70 80 hours just to make ends meet so they don't even really see these kids i mean it's gone beyond the latchkey kids at this point these kids are raising themselves in a lot of these situations so the last thing you want them doing is pretty much trying to figure out on their own how to cook a, a, a decent meal but the thing is, the parent doesn't. The parent doesn't have time to teach them how to cook. So what do you do? It's such a great, you know, sincere. It's such a great point that you're making, and that's one of the reasons why the schools are sort of almost like the surrogates for the, yes, it for is. the, for the right. parents. Right. And that's why we targeted the schools and we sort of went after them and tried to get you know healthier options to you know in the school system itself. And that was, you know, that was quite a, <laughs> I mean, that was, that was a monumental task, but, but again, it, it worked and, and, and some of our changes, they're, they're, they're all still in place actually. And, uh, you know, it went statewide and now some of that is nationwide. And it was, uh, it was one of the more rewarding things that I, that I, that I've done. And, what, what was, uh, uh, what was one of the examples of a nutrition modification you made for people in these socioeconomic classes? You know, one of the things that we tried to do was to get them away from food that is packaged. Right. And, uh, you know, not to say that all packaged food is bad, but in their setting, if we tried to get them to associate the fact that it came out of something that was sealed and packaged instead of freshly prepared, that kind of, you know, that kind of uh, logic resonated with them. So. Uh, you know, again, although it's not, you know, a pure concept, it was one of the one of the things that we used. And the other thing was the old the old adage, you know, the the, the sort of the breakfast like a king, lunch like a prince and dinner like a pauper. Right. Trying to bring their calories back in the day and, uh, you know, get them get get them sort of, you know, they're trying to sort of wake their metabolisms up a little bit. And that and that also seemed to help. So those were just, you know, t- two of the, uh, you know, the changes that we use. And. I got to tell you, going back to the athletes, it's such a far cry from, right, <laughs> right, right. from what I yeah. do with 
With yeah, I was going to say, I was going to say, it's totally different from what you're used to working with. And let's get into that a little bit, because I, I didn't realize you were working with Quentin Jackson. That's really cool. I know you're a big MMA fan. What are what are you what are what are what do you actually what exactly do you do with Quentin and the athletes you work with? Are you putting them through training regimens? Are you their doctor? A combination of all of the above? Uh, yeah, I, I guess uh, D all of the above. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I do what I have to, including uh, being the you know have, having the uh, the the unwanted task of uh, waking up Quentin Jackson in the morning when you know <laughs> that can be a dangerous thing. When he doesn't wake up. So nobody wants to go in there and wake him up. No, but seriously, you know, he's just a, he's a wonderful human being. He's, you know, he's, he's like a son and like a brother to me. He's just a, you know, a really great person. And we've been together for so long. And, uh, you know, I mean, there's so many people that are involved. I mean, I, I, I certainly help him with his diet, but, you know, we've had great guys like my, my great friend, Mike Dolce mm. with his Dolce diet. I mean, he's done, he did He's doing a great job with Ronda Rousey right now. Right. right. Um, Ronda Rousey. <laughs> Rousey. Right. Yeah. right. And she's not going to toss me through the cage, but, um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he's doing. He's with her right now, and he's doing a great job there. And and he he has some phenomenal dietary, you know, approaches that that I that I you know fully endorse. Love the guy. Uh, we've had people like that in. We've had uh, you know trainers. Um, we've had you know all, all sorts. But you know, yes, I train with him. Of course, I'm, I have a hand in the training. I have a hand in the diet, and of course, I have a uh, a hand in the fight strategy and 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 uh, and, and certain things. Uh, you know, developing uh, at this level. When you when you get to this level, you know you really have to be very specific in terms of your approach to each fight because right, right. Uh, you know you can't just train. It isn't just about training. You have to train smart and you have to train for the opponent that's in front of you. Mm -hmm. And so, of course, uh, Quentin will tell you I'm a, I'm a big part of that too in terms of how we go into a particular fight and what our strategy is. Now, are you putting together his strength training regi regimen, his workout routine? It, it, it depends on the camp. Uh, okay. I'll, I'll assume different roles uh, depending on the camp and depending on my the, the degree of my involvement. Uh, you know, I, I ha haven't been so much a part of this camp. I mean, of course, I, I, I'm communicating with him all the time, but he's uh, he's uh, he's got uh, several weeks, maybe 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 more than four weeks, I think. But um, he's got some time now before his next fight, and uh, I've been busy actually. Uh, working with Jason Walsh, who's a phenomenal trainer in LA. If you know him, uh, he's he's just a fantastic trainer. Uh, and working in conjunction with him, we've been getting uh, Bradley Cooper ready for American Sniper. Oh, cool! Uh, oh, okay. which is, Very cool. I don't know how much you know about uh, uh, you know uh, the the, uh, the whole story about American Sniper. It's a story that ta oh. that, that talks about this uh, sniper who's really the most like legendary, well known uh, sniper. And most successful sniper in uh, America in, in American history, and so Bradley's mm. playing him, and he's uh, he's uh, he, he it's a film directed by Clint Eastwood. And mm -hmm. the interesting thing about this, uh, while we're on the subject, is we actually had to put on weight, <laughs> huh. Bradley, because you know this guy's uh, this guy was a buff, you know, like Army Ranger type, and he was not not so much. He was a big, a burly guy too. So we actually had to add muscle and add fat and um you know got him hooked up with jason walsh and he was banging some pretty heavy iron there in la with jason and then of course totally revamped his diet going back the other direction you know i'm also known for dieting people down but in this case i had to bring his weight up 
So we went from, uh, you know, he was probably 180 something pounds and we, we he, he's, he, when you see him, it's going to be total, it's a total transformation. It's absolutely amazing. Um, what, what did he weigh in for filming right now? So I've been busy with that, but oh, uh, yeah. that's, that's, that's really cool. What did he weigh in that for the movie? Uh, he was, uh, he was, well, the last, the last weigh in that we have, he was right at about, uh, 217. So okay. that was, yeah, that's was pretty quite, amazing. Quite a lot bigger. Oh yeah. It's oh amazing. yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Coming what, up from 183 pounds, I mean, that's, you know, he's he's really, you know, done. What kind of regimen was he on? Was it powerlifting, bodybuilding type stuff, or was it? Yeah, you know, there was a, there was a little bit of uh, bodybuilding, but it was more, you know, you know, Jason and I had gone back and forth about this a lot, and, and, uh-huh. and I think he had a really solid approach in terms of really getting him to start to feel some heavy weight, you know. Nothing, you know, uh, uh, you know, too ballistic, you know, like where, where you have, uh, you know, something like Olympic lifting. His body wasn't right, that right. buggy. And so we had to be careful, you know, you don't want to break a guy that when we don't have the time to <laughs> right. put so much ruggedness into him. Yeah. So we did have him move some pretty heavy weight. Uh, and, uh, you know, we were doing like, for example, like rack partial deadlifts, you know, mm-hmm. which is a relatively safe movement where you can, you know, do a little bit of weight overload and, uh, you know, movements like that in conjunction with the diet. These are the things that really started to uh, put on the mass, but we he had an, he had an awful lot of calories. I mean, and I warned him going in. It was funny. Yeah. I really told him. I said, you know, you are going to hate food. Yeah, and, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's it's hard for somebody to believe that that's really going to take place, especially when they're hey, this is easy. I love eating. You know, that's, <laughs> oh, no, no, you don't love eating. You know, six seven thousand calories a day. Exactly. You hate it. Exactly. <laughs> it's, it's it's funny because isn't that ironic? Because some people, I mean some people that are really overweight, they eat that every day, no problem. And they could go yeah. more. But for, I, I find the same thing personally is that it's, I, I walk around six feet tall, 200 pounds and all that. And I feel really strong at that weight. I feel good. And anytime I've thought about trying to go heavier, I mean, body weight wise, I, I realized you have to eat a lot more and I just can't get into that because like you said, it's no longer pleasurable now. It's Everything tastes like shot. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's like, it's like, Oh, time to eat again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You, you, you always feel it's, like it's you're a little, you feel, you feel like you're a little bit full all the time yeah. too. And I hate that feeling. So it's, it's tough, man. It's it, really it is tough. such a great, it's a great point because you know, this is, it's almost another thing I want to start writing a little bit more about. And I've done a little bit of writing, you know, as, as you know, I'm uh, the chief medical advisor for flex magazine. So I have my right, regular right. column there every month, but you know, the, I plan on writing more about it, but, you know, as you get older, you know, definitely the body's needs change. I mean, I definitely go through periods where, I mean, we've all been back there where we're saying like, oh, I've got to have 30 grams of protein every two and a half hours and fart my brains out, you know, and, and we walked around with these distended bellies and, you know, all in an effort to put on, put on, put on. I am not kidding. I mean, I, I eat like, uh, I, I mean, I look like a cliff diver now and I, I probably eat, you know, less than my girlfriend. So, you know, <laughs> um, I, I really, uh, I have, you know, some very focused meals that I have during the day. And then after that, I really shut it down. I, I believe in, you know, at my age, I don't need to carry, uh, I, I'm carrying plenty of mass for, you know, for my purposes and for what feels good to me. Right. And I'm 48 years old now. So, you know, I, I can't walk around at 240 pounds. It's just not going to feel right. And I just let that go, you know, and, and, and it feels great, you know. Do you still, what kind of training do you do these days? You still train heavy or what, what are you, what are you into right now? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I do, um, I still do my bodybuilding at least, you know, three days a week. 
Mm-hmm. I, I do uh, heavier training a couple of days a week, but nothing, nothing like, you know, anywhere near the numbers that I used to do. I mean, I still can move some pretty respectable weight. Um, I do at least one day a week of uh, functional training. And then interspersed with that is, of course, my MMA. You know, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll not stop doing that. Of course, you know, I'm one of, I'm one of Frank's uh, instructors. You know, uh, he didn't make too many instructors, and I'm one of them. Right. And, uh, you know, I, I, I still work with a lot of the fighters. Right now I'm working with uh, Neiman Gracie, who has, you know, his fight coming up in a couple months. And he's in camp with me now, one of the Gracies, and uh, young up-and-comer, and uh, he's, he's doing great. So, you know, I, 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 I kind of work all those different things and I, I'm sort of a, a fitness uh, and health, the bon vivant, you know what I mean? Like right. I, 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 uh, I like to train, I like to do all sorts of stuff. And um, I think I'm a little more, um, I think I'm a little more uh, flexible in terms of what I'm willing to do. I don't feel particularly married to, uh, ha- I have to get in triceps this day or I are, you know, I've got to do this that day. I've got to do my cardio that day. I mean, if I'm if if I have a looser schedule uh, and, the, and, the, and the time allows, I mean, I, I love to do, you know, just about anything. I love to go for a run on the beach. I love to get out and bike ride. Um, I like to go up to the Adirondacks and do some climbing and, you know, all these great things. And, uh, you know, I think that's that's, again, part part and parcel of me just getting older and a, and a little bit more mature and a little bit uh, not, not quite so interested in, in, in carrying as much mass as I possibly. Right. right. Well, I think I think you want to feel good at some point, right? I mean, you want to feel healthy, you want to feel energetic, and I think that becomes more important as you get older. Is that your quality of life becomes the most paramount thing, as opposed to yeah, yeah. And plus, you know, as a physician, I, that's the name of the game. You know, you yeah. you really have to remain healthy, and 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 it and it means quality of life, just like you're saying. So. Right. You know, uh, and I, I think food is going back to the food idea. You know, food is wonderful and it's medicinal and it's magical and it's even emotional. You know, a lot of right. you know, the yeah. first memories, earliest memories, you know, food is love, you know. But also as you get older, you know, food is poison if you're not careful. Right. You know? And and you just have to, you know, start to uh, 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 temper earlier concepts, especially if you were an athlete or a bodybuilder or a power lifter, you know, the earlier concepts of the bad food habits of, 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 the, of, of the food habits that got you to the dance are, are now going to become bad eating habits. And so you have to sort of, you know, adjust that. And, uh, you know, you have to get used to letting, you know, periods of, you know, where, where you're resting and digesting and your stomach is empty and your stomach flattens out. And this is actually healthy. Um, and so I, I do believe in, 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 in periodic, I won't say, you know, I guess it is fair to say fasted states, but, you know, sometimes I will stop eating, you know, at uh, three or four o'clock in the afternoon. It doesn't mean that I didn't eat before that. I might have had three or four meals before that, but I'll, I'd be, I might be done for the day until the next morning right. uh, just to sort of let my body cleanse and let my body settle down. And I feel better and I feel healthier that way. And of course, you know, my labs are pretty good, too, because as a physician, I, I, I check on all that as well. I practice what I preach, as, right. as Mike pointed out. So I'm always, uh, you know, checking myself as well before I spill out all this advice to everybody else. You know, I have <laughs> right. to walk the walk, you know. Right. right. No doubt. Me, no I, doubt. I think what you're, what you're hitting on right here is not so much like a certain diet, because I know some people just heard intermittent fasting. They're like, yes, yes, that's what I do. Or pretty much not being married to a certain training routine, what we're speaking of right here, what you're hitting on is very being very instinctual 
with your your eating as well as your training, hell, just with your life. And I think at this point, so many people have lost that instinct because they rely on so many of these outside sources to do it all for them. Like, I'm going to take this supplement, this supplement, because it's going to do this for me, or I'm going to get on this diet because it's supposed to be this way for me. And then I'm going to do this certain training routine because this is what's going to work for me. They haven't really figured out what it is for them that they really need to do. They're pretty much letting all these outside sources dictate to them, this is what works for you. This is what you should be doing instead of actually taking the time to spend some time and experiment. Just like you said, you, you do your labs, which that's another thing that's missing with a lot of people. That Okay, yeah, for some people, it's not affordable, but they're not taking that time, which is for free, right. you know, to spend at least 30 days trying to figure out like, hmm, let me remove this. If, okay, if I'm eating bread every time, and next thing I know, I look like a pregnant—I <laughs> look like a pregnant marsupial, you know, right after having that. Maybe right. let me just try going a month without bread and see what happens. Or every time that I'm consuming dairy, you know, I feel like my joints—they're, you know, they feel like they're a little stiff or something like that. Let me just see if that's the culprit, and just go right. try a right. month. I mean, that month—you—if you can live for 30 days, you know, if you're breathing for 30 days, then you can utilize that testing for free right there. You don't have to pay for that lab. You know, just remove some, and you save some money because you didn't have to buy that as part of your groceries. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So it's just- You know, you're so, you're so right, Sincere, because this is the whole idea of, it's, I guess it's a biblical saying of know thyself. And, you know, right. you can't know yourself in, in, until you try. And, you know, I, I remember doing right. a seminar and one of the questions I got at the end was, uh, you know, Dr. Coker, what do you think of these all the fad diets out there, you know? And I actually had a sort of rather contrarian response uh, that sort of hit me. And I said, I don't know. I, I don't really have a problem with it. It's fine. I like all of them. And uh, I, mean, I got a lot of good. <laughs> I, well, I said, well, think about it. I mean, if if I'm not saying that, you know, every diet, they can't all be good. Right. But but in a way, if 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 a fad diet, a particular diet or a diet approach, if it offers you some uh, some parameters and some construct, then maybe that's a start to getting what to where sincere is, you know, is talking about and to what sincere is talking about. And that is, you know, if, if, if it's if you, you could try this approach, try the grapefruit diet and see if that works and, right. and see what you gain from that. And then if that doesn't work, then try the 40, 30, 30 diet, the zone <laughs> right. diet, and right. try the Atkins diet and try the Mediterranean diet and gain that self-knowledge, that self-awareness, and then take from each of these things and then start to get to what, get right. to root of what sincere is talking about because you know it won't be a waste of time you will have not wasted your time you if you paid attention to your body and and you've and you've listened you'll you'll learn through that process and you'll emerge with something that really does work for you no that's great advice right. and it's, it's kind of like what sincere does that's the, the sincere hogan diet works for sincere you know exactly. like the dr colker right. diet works for you dr right. colker the mike Mahler diet works for me because We've all taken the time to experiment and try things, and then you know what works for you after a while. I mean, if you, for me, if I if I eat too many carbohydrates, the next day I feel like I went out drinking. I have like yes. I have that hangover <laughs> where my mood drops, right? So I I've always found that I do great with more fat in my diet. I'm talking good quality fats, you know, coconut oil, nuts and seeds, olive oil, etc. And I don't do no carbohydrates or even low carbohydrates. I just have to be a little bit more moderate there. And then moderate amount of protein, and I feel great on that. And that's just after years of playing around with things. So I, I like what you had to say where you read one book, 
you may you may you may get one or two things out of that that you actually incorporate. You need to, you read another one, maybe another one thing, and then right. eventually you you're you're personalizing all of this advice because I think what happens with a lot of people is they think it's an all or nothing approach. Yes. So they so they read one book and they say, okay, this is what I'm going to follow, and then they read another book and they go, well, this book contradicts this book, <laughs> so I, I'm gonna I'm gonna give up everything I just read in book one and follow book two, yeah. and then they're very confused. But I mean, look at the overall principles. And then apply those and not get so distra- distracted by the minutia. I think that's where people get just frustrated. And what happens is, is it's too much information where they, they end up not doing anything out of frustration because they feel that I don't know what to do. So I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. Hey, man, <laughs> look, at this, point, at, at this point, our nutrition is a reflection of who we are as far as our DNA. It's a mutt, man. There's no pure breed. There's no pure breed with your nutrition. Just like we're right, not pure breeds right. anymore. It's over. We're all mixed with something. So our that's diet true. should be accordingly, you know? Yeah, you know, that's, that's, it's, it's, a very, it's a very good point. I mean, uh, you know, everything is so, uh, each person is so, is, is obviously individual. And then they have their whole environment and their whole lifestyle, right, uh, you know, right. to, to take that into account. So, you know, that, again, that's why I say, you know, I don't really bash any particular diet. Um, I, even though I wrote The Greenwich Diet, which was, which was a popular book when, in, in its day, um, you know, even that was just, they're just, as Mike points out, I mean, they're just general guidelines, uh, you know, and, and, and the idea is to sort of compass point someone in the right direction. And then the hope is that they take it from there and they, and they make it, you know, their own. Now for me, we talked about some of the, I have a diet very, very similar to what Mike is saying. Um, I probably have, it's, but it is a very, very much a fat based diet. I probably have maybe 70% or at least 60%, but probably close to 70% of my diet is fat. Wow. Um, mm-hmm. It is healthy fat, fat from seeds and, and nuts and coconut, coconut oil and, uh, and, and, and flaxseed oil and, uh, and, uh, and olive oil. Uh, and, and of course some, some, some of the saturated fats. I mean, I right. have butter in my diet. Uh, you know, I have, I have beef fat and, 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 and meat fat. I have that in my diet. I have some protein. I don't have nearly as much protein as I used to have. <laughs> right. I probably, I don't think I take in more than maybe 90 grams of protein in a day, maybe less. Right. Um, I know that's hard to believe, but that's, that's it. And then my carbs, uh, I'm completely, you know, right with Mike on that. Uh, I, I don't feel good with carbohydrates and this is always controversial, controversial when I'm, when I'm, uh, I get a lot of residents that they want to do rounds with me because if they're interested in nutrition and they're interested in that kind of stuff, right. uh, you know, they want to learn the medicine. So they have to do the medical rounds with me in the hospital. But those are the ones that also ask for me because they want to learn about, uh, you know, medical nutrition. And one of the things I always challenge them with is I tell them, look, you have essential fat, you know, you have essential protein, essential amino acids, meaning things that the body cannot produce itself. We must supply it in the diet. But you know, there's no such thing as essential carbohydrate. (laughs) And I tell them that if they can find me an essential orally ingested carbohydrate and a carbohydrate that must be ingested and is essential, that they, I'll pay them $100,000 because they won't find it, <laughs> you know, and because there isn't, you know, the body can literally manufacture, if it needs a sugar moiety, it will make it, 
from the from the fat and from the protein that we that we take in. And uh, it's a very important concept to understand this whole idea of the insulin response, which many of the diabetologists are, you know, pushing insulin on their diabetics as opposed to pushing them towards a low carb or no carb diet. Right. You know, Atkins wasn't crazy, and I knew Bob very well. And I mean, he was eccentric, but he wasn't <laughs> crazy. There may be something to what he had to say. And the idea of putting somebody in the so-called ketogenic diet that might medicinally benefit from it would not be harmful at all. They're not going to get kidney failure. They're not. Their brains aren't going to shut off. I mean, you know. Uh, but keep in mind this idea that you know carbohydrates. You know, they 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 your body they stimulate insulin. And by stimulating insulin, is that really, you know, we, we look at it like such a casual, normal response of the body. Right. Well, it may be, but it also may be a toxic response. It may be the body's only way to get rid of this non-essential substance that's come in in excess. Right. So right. if you look at it that way, I, I like to maintain a sort of a low insulin state. I think sure. that's a better approach and a, and a low, you know, glycosylated hemoglobin. So I think those are important uh, those are important things to do. Um, I'm, I'm not a big carbohydrate fan, as you as you can tell. So I I, <laughs> I, I try to have like incidental carbohydrates or, or minimal amounts of carbohydrates. Now, when it comes to the athlete, it's a little bit different, and I, and, and and I just want to I want to underscore that for a minute because sure, sure. again, uh, you know, carbohydrates do have their role. For example, in tamponade of the of the cortisol response, it's it's very effective in doing that. So if you have, you know, athletes that have a very high output uh, intensity, uh, protracted training sessions, uh, high stress, um, you know, they, they, you know, there's going to be a necessity for carbohydrates, but not for the reasons that everybody says, like the Gatorade, uh, <laughs> the, the, the horse that they keep, the dead horse they keep whipping, which is that you somehow need this sugar for energy. Right. It's not the energy. <laughs> you, you can easily gain it from fat. It's for other reasons, and that includes, you know, uh, the, primarily, in my opinion, uh, the tamponade of the cortisol response, which which can go up very high and can really become catabolic, and then and then it can uh, and then it can uh, really interfere with healing and and delayed onset muscle soreness, and then rebound to train the next for the next session. So all of these are considerations that I always have to take. Uh, you know, I, I always have to take these things into consideration when I'm working with an athlete. Otherwise, you know, I, the other coaches get mad. I can't, I can't beat the hell out of an athlete or, you know, uh, uh, mess up an athlete's diet and then hand them back to the coach to work with. They got nothing to work with, you know. Mm -hmm. How 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 efficient is the body at utilizing fat, like the brain, for example, the brain for fuel? So if you're just it, eating fat and protein, you're not giving yourself glucose, not it's directly. A, anyway. It's a very good question. Now, yeah. I did this uh, lecture. I went back to my alma mater. They invited me back to sit on a panel with a bunch of other really cool people that were so much cooler than me, guys. I mean, these were like the, such cool people that they were alma maters of Manhattanville College, where I, I graduated with, uh, uh, of course, pre-med degree in biology and a secondary in philosophy and a third area in English writing. So I, I knew just enough to screw me up the rest of my life. And, <laughs> a lot of work. But, <laughs> but then, so, I, so they invited me back uh, sort of to this distinguished group, which I certainly did not feel like I belonged. But there were had some amazing people on this panel. And, you know, to, and we spoke to a, a, an absolutely packed uh, auditorium. And, uh, you know, it, one of the, the women there, uh, 
uh, I, I was so interested in what she had to say. She was also, uh, you know, an alumni of Manhattanville, and she she was the I forget her name. Her name is Casey, but she was the world's expert on Lois and Clark. Hmm. You know, the early <laughs> expedition sure. people yeah. that went across the country, and they were brave, hardy men, and they and they and they journeyed uh, westward, or as Horace Greeley would say, "Go west, young man." And they they were the first to do it, and they right. they they they, uh, they you know somehow made it through all the rugged trails and the terrains and the and the amazing things that they saw and met with the Indians. Sacagawea, yeah. <laughs> anyway, so yeah. the point is, is they 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 kept scrupulous logs, and I did not know this because mm-hmm. one one of the things that I had heard was that. Uh, they um, they were trappers, hunters and trappers by trade, okay? And I had heard that they would take in these crazy amounts of meat calories, you know, because that's what there was. They would eat meat. You know, they didn't, there was no, they, they didn't sit there and, you know, cook pasta, right. you know? <laughs> right. Okay, they didn't have time for rice or, you know, the, I, I really wanted to, so, so when this ended, when this session ended, I, I pulled her aside and I had asked her, is it true that this is all they ate were, I mean, apart from the occasional seasonal fruits and berries that they might come across, that they literally uh, had just massive amounts of protein. And I'm talking about four, five, 600 grams of protein and fat a day, right? Now, you know, to your average carb uh, 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 fan, you know, they would say, well, my gosh, they must have no energy. <laughs> right. And she said, oh, this is absolutely true. And I said, well, how do we know that? And she said, again, that they, they kept these scrupulous logs of all of the things that they, uh, they, that they would come across. Um, you know, and, and, and one of the things that like that, that came out of that experience was actually the rabbit starvation, which is a condition whereby if you just ate the meat and you didn't eat the fat, the marrow, the skin, break the bones open and stuff like that, that you could actually begin to have health problems. Mm-hmm. So you needed the fat. So th- these are the things that they discovered on their on their way out there. And, you know, it, it just shows you. And these were these were hardy, strong, strong guys. And, you know, they had tons of energy. And again, this, this, their diets were bereft for years of, of any measurable carbohydrates, except for the occasional fruits and berries that they might have come across seasonally. So I, I was very affected by that conversation. I thought that was very, a very profound piece of knowledge. And then I kind of uh, took that. And then I remember my, you know, my dealings with Atkins, who actually did not invent the low, the no carb diet. Uh, he, he, he was the first to say that it was something that was in the medical literature, you know, prior to him uh, uh, giving it such worldwide notoriety. But, you know, to his credit, he did, um, he did popularize it. And uh, the fact is that, you know, the body really operates very, very efficiently on fat. I mean, think about it. One gram of carbohydrates is four calories. One gram of protein is four calories. One gram of fat is nine. Right. Now, did God just make a mistake? Like, like <laughs> it fit too big in the avocado? You know? and, and people say carbohydrates are energy. Well, then no, they're not energy. They're not energy. Not, they're not Obviously, fat is energy. That's what God intended. Fat is energy. That's why it's nine grams per Per, uh, nine calories per gram. You right. see, so that is our battery for energy. It's much more efficient, more than twice as much 
energy. Now, a carbohydrate is no more energy than an amphetamine, right? That's really what it is. I mean, if we're going to call carbohydrate energy, then we should call an amphetamine energy. Right. I mean, it often feels like that, that's exactly. it, especially when you have a high-carb meal and you crash. I, I mean, that, that's, that's not fun. Yes. <laughs> well, no, great point. Great point. Legal because crack. you can actually, as you know, it, can, it has a euphoric response. It has you can become addicted to carbohydrates Absolutely. and it, can, it, yeah. it becomes a poison. Well, so I always tell people with fats, I go, let's say you have a tablespoon of coconut oil in between meals, right, just to get you through the yes. stretch. You're not gonna, you're not gonna go back for seconds. You know, right. does, you're not, you're not, you're not <laughs> gonna drink a whole jar of coconut oil. That one tablespoon, you're like, all right, I'm good. You know, you're not gonna, you're not gonna be like, Absolutely. man, this, this is so tasty. You just grab a spoon and just start going through it. But carbohydrates, if you have, let's say. A handful of cornflakes, you know, that's not going to be oh. enough. You're going to be like, that's going to yeah. trigger all of those responses, and you're going to go back for a bowl. I mean, yeah. it's it's easy to eat a box of cereal in one in, in one bowl. Easy. You know, one of those big, easy, giant, you know, <laughs> ice cream Friday bowls. You know, just fill it up and go at it, man. <laughs> yeah, and guys, think about why that is. There's something very scary and peculiar about that. Right. It's not right. Yeah, nobody overeats on avocados. <laughs> so. Well, you know what. <laughs> You mentioned, Mike, you mentioned the idea of taking a scoop of coconut oil. Right. You know, if, if, if anybody out there hears this, you know, maybe they can, if they ever tried that, the one of the things that they're going to notice is they have less of a craving for sugar. Right. Mm -hmm. exactly. Because that's one of the things that fats do is it, they really help to reduce the craving for carbohydrates. And it makes sense. How do they do that? Simply by pro providing the body with a platform for energy. And I, I, so if I sound like I'm a big fan of fat in my diet and agreeing <laughs> with Mike, I, I am. Um, and, you know, I do use my carbohydrates with, you know, certain people and certain athletes that uh, I know need it. But uh, for me, no, I'm not a, not, a, not a big carbohydrate fan. Now, years ago, I remember I would, I would follow the literature at the time and have these high carbohydrate meals before – intense weight training sessions and they were always terrible oh, weight training sessions everything <laughs> felt heavy your energy would crash i mean especially after reading one of tony robbins books when i was i think it was early in college and he was he was on this fruit-based diet back then where that's all he was eating Still is. And, I, and i and i and i go wow this sounds great so i had this big i was in, I was in kenya visiting my parents so i go i'm gonna have a big bowl of fruit go hit the gym down the road Worst right. workout ever. And then the, the, the next day I go, you know, I'm just going to go back to what I normally do, which, was, which wasn't really anything special because I didn't really have the knowledge back then. I just had several tablespoons of peanut butter. Right. And I had some whole wheat bread. Had a great workout because of the peanut butter, though. You know, the fats. Right. The fats is what fueled me. And I, I always say, I go, if I have a pre-workout meal, which has the right amount of fat, good amount of protein and some carbohydrates, but mainly it's the fat there. Two hours before I work out, it's always a great workout, meaning that it's you're strong coming out of the gate, and then you can sustain that performance all the way till the end. So, I mean, that's the great thing about those of us who work out hard is we we can tell by our performance whether what we're doing is working or not. If, if we're eating a diet that we think is great for us and we're getting weaker and we feel terrible each week, obviously we need to make some corrections. Uh, absolutely. And then I think it goes back to what Sincere was saying is, is try to be instinctive about it. I mean, take right, pieces of right. what we're offering and – and 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 try to make it try to try to try to fit the pieces and make it work for you. Right, because we've had other people who do like Dr. Nick Delgado is a big carbohydrate guy. He eats a lot of carbohydrates. He does a lot of endurance type stuff. You know, he feels great on that. So I'm not going to tell him he doesn't feel great on that. Right, power to him. And I, I, there's a lot of principles that he does I really like. 
but but I but I know personally that if I take in way too many carbohydrates, it it really has a deleterious effect on my mood. I mean, it's like a yes. it's like a depressant where you're yes, all of a I sudden like you feel like this kind of doom gloom feeling, which is not my personality at all. Right. So I mean, no one can tell you how something is making you feel, but you. But I think. <laughs> I think you're you're bringing up some good food for thought. Where I think people still have this kind of fear of fat. They feel that if they eat dietary fat, it's going to clog their arteries. They're going to get fat, and it's really not the case. Well, yeah, I mean they're yeah, I mean, they're buying into the '80s marketing. You know, that's all that yeah, is. You know, when when you, the carbohydrate, industry, especially when you had like wheat and all the the grain growers and all that, and they were making a play for the marketplace. Then yeah, they took over. They they pretty much they were in the pockets of all these advertisers. So a lot of us are still carrying over that. But don't forget, right before that, everyone was all against carbohydrates, and then it came back around again. So it, when you start hearing all this low fat or low this or low that, you got to ask like, okay, whose pockets <laughs> is this brand? You know, with who are they sleeping with before I make the choice? And always, whenever there's a low something, it's gonna be some high something else. So if it's low fat, it's gonna be high ish you know somewhere else so well part of the obesity yeah. epidemic comes from the fact that corn is subsidized so corn syrup is so cheap so all this garbage food that dr Kolker was mentioning that the people in in poorer incomes right. have to deal with is the reason why that food is so cheap is because of all of that and exactly. it's, it's a real problem because now healthier foods look like they're expensive but it's only in comparison with subsidized foods which are garbage and really they're not more expensive for the fact is when you're eating that that whole food, you're not going to eat as much. When you're right, eating all right. that subsidized food, you're buying, yeah, you okay, yeah, you're buying 20 packs of ramen noodles for like two bucks, but then you go right through Never them in two days. Yeah, and you go through in like a day, you're done with it. So you have to go buy some more and buy some more and buy <laughs> some more. And when you add that up by the end of the week, you'll realize like, dude, I could have just went ahead and just bought some fruits and vegetables and they would have lasted, cut them up, whatever I'm not going to eat, freeze it, bag it, and I'll have it for later or make a big pot of soup or something or stew. Out of all those vegetables, it's going to last forever. So, but at the same time, all the packaged food, you're constantly replacing it. And if you add it up at the end of the month, you'll realize like, wait a minute, organic food or, or just real food itself is not as expensive as this crap I'm getting in a box or a bag. Yes, yes. <laughs> You know, uh, it, it's interesting you had mentioned that whole idea of the, the, the sugar response. You know, uh, it, I had such I have such a thing about, you know, uh, the protein powder because, of course, I need a little bit of protein powder. Sometimes I'm on the run uh, and, and, and I still need it myself when I can't get a meal in. Uh, you know, I, I like to have a little protein powder. Also for my athletes, the celebrities that I work with. But here was the problem. All the powders out there that I'm seeing, they have either artificial uh, uh, substances in them or they have, yes, aspartame. They have sweeteners in them that are not natural or even the natural sweeteners that have some controversy behind them. You know, stevia is controversial and some of the others are controversial. And, you know, I I wanted to just I I tried to find just a that there are sweeteners out there. Like there's a great sweetener called oligofructose. Right, right. And oligofructose, not to be confused with fructose, is actually a natural sweetener. Okay. It's completely natural. It's actually a fiber. And it has a very high sweet note. So when you taste it, it actually tastes very sweet. But the fact is it actually goes through the body. It's safe for diabetics. So it goes through the body basically through the colon, into the colon, relatively undigested and actually feeds the healthy bacteria in the colon. So that you, it's actually like a, it it works kind of like a probiotic. So 
oligofructose is an amazing substance. And I'm saying to myself, well, why doesn't somebody just make a protein, a protein powder with oligo, sweetened with oligofructose? And I, I, I found out the hard way because, of course, I put together Doc's Way, which is available on the proteinfactory.com uh, website. Okay. And, you know, I got myself, you know, the best whey protein isolate and the best the, the best uh, microfiltered whey protein isolate and the best ion exchange isolate. So I got the best of both worlds, put that together and then sweetened it with a small amount of oligofructose. And I found out why, because, boy, that adds price to the... <laughs> <laughs> but, but I'm going to tell you, it's amazing when you when you try something that, you know, why isn't it out there? Why isn't everybody use it? You know why? Because they want to use something cheap like fructose, regular fructose, which has actually a very low sweet note, uh, relatively speaking. And therefore, you have to use a lot of it. And the problem with that is, boom, like fructose. Versus with stevia that you're privy to, what do you think about you know, it in general? Look, it's a mixed bag. I mean, yeah. you see that the, the there's there's stuff on animals. Is is there an association with? Is there a possible association with cancer? Is there a possible association with reduction in testosterone mm -hmm. in animals? Um, we haven't seen these studies conclusive in humans, um, but it's a concern for a lot of people. Um, I personally just don't take products with stevia because. I think there's better things out there, like, right. for example, oligofructose, which there's no dispute, there's no debate, there's no controversy, um, there's no insulin response. <laughs> it's, it's, what about it, it's xylitol? Are you familiar with it? What about xylitol? Yeah. What do you think of that? Well, you know, look, any of the, the sugar alcohols, uh, you know, you, you can only take so much of that stuff. They use a lot of like xylitol you'll see in, in, in gum and stuff like that. Right. You, know, it, you, you have too much of that. You know, you're going to be a flotation device. Remember, it's sugar alcohol, so it's going to actually go in. Feed, it's going to feed the wrong thing to your body. So right, right, right. There's a reason that it's not giving you that right. caloric. Yeah, I, I think also the problem with things like stevia and and xylitol is that people think it's a free for all, right? They go, it's right. not sugar, so I can just dump this stevia and everything right. I do. And now they're, I think if you have a little bit of stevia in your coffee in the morning, that's one thing. But a yes. lot of people are using it in everything: coffee, tea, protein shakes, add, throw it on top that's of sweet nice. potatoes. You know, so I think I think that's, that's where people exactly need to be right. That's exactly what, right. Just like with diet cokes, right? Remember when diet cokes first, our diet coke and diet sodas first started coming out? People were like, oh, great. No zero calories. I can just down these, no problem. Yeah. And then all of a sudden they realize, why am I getting these headaches all the time? And yeah. I feel like yes. crap. And right. then that was attributed yeah. to the aspartame, exactly. Let me. Uh, I got to wrap up. So let me tell yeah, you. Yeah, sure, some sure. Things I know that we're do that you, you want to know what uh, what we're doing right now and what's going on right now. Of sure. course, uh, you know we've had such a great success in the uh, myostatin inhibitor category. Um, yeah, if you could briefly get into that, because I, I, I read some literature about that, just so people have, so people can go find out more detailed information. But what's what's the top line benefit? What did, why did you conceptualize this product, and what have the results been so far? Well, the, the, the idea is that you know, again, there's there's this. I kind of realized this as all those years of training. I mean, you know, more than three decades of toil trying to build muscle, build muscle, build muscle, and then you find something like. If you just get sick, or you get a cold, or you or you or you or you hurt, you get a small injury. It's amazing how much how quickly it all disappears. <laughs> right. And so, 
I, I, that's one of the things that got me thinking, like, what is going on that there's this much more powerful force that I'm up against? You know, like, uh, why can't I just eat a little bit, do a couple of arm curls and my arms are 20 inches? Because there's a force that's fighting against us that's actually keeping the muscle mass down, be it evolutionary and genetic, that as is the case, you know, it, it is a force and that force actually has a name and it's myostatin. That is a, it's, it's a blood protein that exists in normal people and it actually functions to inhibit the growth of muscle and the growth and recovery of muscle. Uh, why would we have such a thing? Perhaps from an evolutionary standpoint, at a certain point, it started to not be particularly beneficial to be very large and overly muscled. So it probably developed as a, as, as, as a way to keep that element in check. Um, there are individuals that are myostatin null or missing myostatin. And they tend to be enormously well muscled and 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 absolutely healthy too, um, and we've seen many examples of those in nature among people. Like, uh, for example, the bodybuilder Flex Wheeler has a myostatin deficiency. A good friend of mine, wonderful guy. And then you see this in the animal world: the Piedmontese and the Belgian Blue Bull. Uh, so basically, from there, I, I spent probably the better part of ten years uh, bench working. Uh, different substances that were uh, inhibitors of myostatin. Um, and uh, of course, it's a long story, but ultimately out of that came the, uh, what was known as MyoT12. Uh, if you take, if you took just 10 grams of MyoT12, uh, the study subjects that reduced their myostatin by f uh, about 46% in 12 to 16 hours. And then if you didn't take a subsequent uh, serving size, another serving, then it normalized in about uh, 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 24 to 36 hours. Hmm. So that was really breakthrough. I mean, we had just amazing results among athletes, among bodybuilders, among powerlifters, among just people that wanted to put on muscle mass, especially as they got older, because the older you get, of course, the higher the myostatin climbs. And that makes sense. That's why you see older guys and they can't carry the muscle mass they did when they were younger. Right. Um, because they have a higher myostatin level. Well, this uh, this this uh, product uh, had an incredible market success. It did very well, uh, and uh, ultimately, I don't own it anymore. I mean, it's uh, being further uh, coned down and developed by the Myos Corporation, which is a publicly traded company. Um, mm -hmm. Their product uh, uh, is uh, Myos Myos, the company, or M Y O S on Nasdaq. It's uh, basically a bionutrition and biotherapeutics company that's very focused on discovering and developing uh, and commercializing products that improve muscle health and uh, and and the, the health and the function of muscles. And in particular, they have a very uh, very uh, strong focus on anti-aging, a sarcopenia, or 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 not having enough muscle, which you can have when you're sick or you're old or you're injured. Um, and also the degenerative muscle diseases. So there, they've isolated uh, uh, more substances out of MyoT12. And uh, uh, where can people learn more about it on the website, on MHP's website, or simply if they, if they want to know more about the company behind it, they can go to Myos, uh, just put in Myos or Myos Corporation, and they'll learn lots about the publicly traded company, which is at the at the top of the heap of this product. And uh, it's pretty exciting. It's uh, it's pretty neat. It was a lot of fun uh, to work on all those years, and it's great to hear 
so many of the, uh, the the great testimonials that we get back of people, not just the athletes. I mean, it's always nice to hear about guys that put on lots and lots of muscle mass. But you know what? It's even more, much more rewarding to hear about people that, you know, like have, uh, uh, you know, degenerative muscle disease and, uh, and uh, you know, terrible situations like, uh, you know, myasthenia gravis. I heard from a, a woman who's just uh, was in bad shape and a Another gentleman in Texas, they've had amazing results just just uh, countering some of the catabolic effects on muscle. So when I hear those stories, it's uh, it's really amazing, and uh, it's uh, it's been an enjoyable ride. But it's a fascinating uh, uh, discourse, and I'd love to continue it some more. But uh, but uh, my workout calls <laughs> sounds right. good. No, we appreciate you taking so much time. Really appreciate it. And people can find out more about you at peakwellness.com. And uh, we'd love to follow up with you maybe later on in the year when uh, love you have to, love to, guys. We'll, we'll continue this I, conversation. with this thought, you know, speaking to you guys, again, it's an honor. It's an absolute pleasure. I mean, Mike and I go back so many years, and what he's done in this industry is just absolutely amazing and sincere. You, you, you rock. Your website rocks. Your approach rocks. And, you know, I love you guys. Love to be back on anytime. Thank, Thank you. you so we, much. We appreciate it. Yeah, thanks again. Have a great workout. Take care. Okay, again, folks, that was our friend, Dr. Carlin Kolker. Check him out at peakwellness.com. If you put his name in Google, you're going to find tons of articles about him. And we'll definitely have him come back in a couple months and talk more about how what what exactly he does with some of the athletes he trains with. Like, how is it different with Quentin Jackson versus Andre Agassi or things? Get into that kind of nature. Yeah, I mean, this is the first time he's been on the show, so we kind of just wanted to have a broad-based amount of topics but when we get a guest back that's when we like to kind of zero it in get a laser topic and just stay on that but again the, the, the nature of our show is we kind of go wherever it takes us you know what i mean i think that's one of the appeals about it is that we're not we're not trying to make this the, an episode of larry king or charlie rose it's it's a conversation like if the three of us were hanging out at a bar that's that's the conversation right. and we're just recording it so anyway more on that at another time but for now, what you folks need to do, because while we were recording this episode, another oh. guy signed up for the course. And now we're up to 24. So Leland Savage, <laughs> wait, 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 what a great number name 24, that is. Leland, he, he sounds does. like he should work for CTU. <laughs> okay, Or he's an enemy of Jack Bauer. Yeah, so yeah. Oh, let me see if I'm getting his name right. Leland. Yeah, I don't even know if this is just a name he puts down when, when he buys stuff online or it's L-E-A-B-D. I don't even know how to pronounce that. But anyway, Mr. Savage. We'll just call you Mr. Savage, right? You're you're all set for the course. You're number 24. So now we have 16 spots left. And this the episode we did before this was recorded right before. So some of you may be thinking, well, man, it's it's been a week between those two episodes and only one more person signed up. No, 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 no. no. It's been it's been two minutes between those two episodes. <laughs> all right. And another person signed up. Hell, we talked for another five minutes. We'll probably have one more right. person before this before it's up today. Bottom line is this course is gonna sell out. But if if you don't if you're if you if you need more information, like you know what, I'll just wait till the ad copy comes out. I'll just wait for this. That's fine with me because the price goes up four hundred bucks then, and all of us will make more money if you wait too. So feel free to wait until the price goes up because we don't need to sell out all forty now. The course is not till September. It's only April. Right. You know we got plenty of time to fill this thing up. So honestly, right now twenty four is great. This so this far out from an event, so we can we can take our time getting the next sixteen people. But if you want to get in at the lowest price possible, $800, which is a steal for all four of us, me, Sincere Hogan, Ken Blackburn, Steve Carter, Las Vegas, September 2021, extracurricular activities, group dinners, 
it's going to be a blast, man. It's not going to just be training and then everybody goes back to the hotel room at the Comfort Inn. No, we're, we're looking at group deals at some nice casinos where everyone's going to stay. I'm probably going to stay there myself, even though I live here, just so I can be around everybody and have a good time too. Or I'm going to make sure it's a hotel that's very close to where I live. <laughs> you know, just so like the M Casino is which, where I play blackjack fairly often. I mean, that's like a three-minute drive for me. So I'm looking into that place. I'm looking into Green Valley Ranch, Mandalay Bay. You know, we're going to work out something really special. I really want this to be a, an event that you remember for the rest of your life where you go, man, that was a blast, man. That Live Life Aggressively Summit course. It was cool to work with those guys. I made some good friends that I'm still in touch with now, and we just had a blast in Vegas. Some people have told me this is the first time that they that, that this is going to be their first trip yeah, to Vegas buddy. ever. And man, you are picking the right event to make your first trip to Vegas because not only are we doing the course here, I live here, so I know this town very well, and I'm going to put in some time to make sure that everything is logistics wise is nice and set up so that you have a great experience. So anyway, email sincere at LLAPodcast.com or email me, Mike, at LLAPodcast.com. But only if you want to register. We're not doing the VIP list anymore. The VIP means you want to register for the course. So if you email me, I'm not putting you on any list. I'm going to send you a paragraph about the course and a link to sign up. That's it. So if you want to sign up for the course, definitely send us that email. If you're on the fence, just wait for the ad copy and the price to go way up. You know, then you can then you can get registered. You know? <laughs> and there you go. So other than that, people, head over to our websites, MikeMahler.com or NewWarriorTraining.com. Type in a coupon code LLA on my website, New Warrior Training. You get 30% off of my products. Over on Mike's, you get 10% off of all of his products. All you have to do is use the coupon code LLA. But the one thing you won't get a discount on is the course in September. Not happening. Don't ask. Not happening. Uh-uh. You're already getting a $400 discount if you send us an email right now for the link. Okay? That's yeah, bigger than... We've made this... Exactly. We've made this for you guys, the podcast listeners, right. because we, we haven't even announced this to anyone else. No one else even knows about it. It's not on any of our websites. We're not talking about it on Facebook or Twitter or nope. anywhere. <laughs> nope. Only a few people who've signed up have said, you know, they posted on Facebook and Twitter. But, um, yeah, good for them. <laughs> awesome <Yeah>. thank you <laughs> so there you go people you got some things to do so get busy make it happen other than that we'll see you on the next show take care everybody take care everyone.